Stop 4. Chisels. Much of this area's development was shaped by the need to obtain stone for the harbour. For example, the People's Park was once a quarry, but that space became available for a park after the quarry closed. From where you are standing now, you can see three chisels stuck in granite close to the wall near your feet. At our last stop, we heard a bit about putting explosives in the rock to break it up. Another system used chisels and wedges to break up the granite, and here are three chisels left from when this level platform was cut out of the rock to change the route of the metals. A deep cutting was created through the granite here. Look at the steps up to Martello Avenue, up ahead, to give you a sense of how deep the cutting was above the level platform. We are also close here to the place where a Martello Tower was built in the early 19th century to protect the coastline against a possible invasion by Napoleon's forces. This tower was demolished to allow the quarry to be enlarged. The nearest surviving Martello Tower is now the James Joyce Museum at Sandy Cove. This is a good place to imagine the route of the metals truckway as it came down from Dawkey Quarry through Glenageary and Sandy Cove, here to the East Pier and on to the West Pier. With just two weeks to go before the stone was laid at the East Pier in May 1817, the Harbour Commissioners issued a specification for quarrying the stone at Dawkey Quarry. They divided the hill into four lots. It was specified that each lot was to produce 50 wagon loads of granite per day. The engineers decided the piers would be built of granite, divided into the smaller rubble and the larger stones. But the rubble was not like we would think of today. It was much larger. The minimum size of the stones was 20 kilograms, while the rubble could be up to a maximum of about four tonnes. Have a look across at the East Pier and see the volume of rock used there. Take a note of the regular rectangular shape of some of the stones. This was called ashlar work. Ashlar was stone that was cut into rectangular shape with a smooth surface. The specification required that each of the wagons of stone that left the quarry should be fully loaded. This could mean that each would have up to eight tonnes of granite on board. Therefore, the potential output from Dawkey quarries was between 1,000 and 1,200 tonnes a day at the beginning of the works, and this was to increase later on. It is estimated that there were 322 wagons a day going to the harbour, or one every two minutes, pulled by horses along the metals. Eventually, the total amount of stone quarried at Dorky was over 620,000 tonnes. You can only imagine the scale of this contract which had been awarded to local contractor George Smith. We'll tell you at a later stop how this was actually achieved. The harbour area between the two piers is over 250 acres that was once the biggest harbour in the world. It was an ambitious scheme and the harbour was designed by the Scottish engineer John Rennie who oversaw the critical early stages from 1817 until he died in 1821. Rennie had studied Dublin Bay and had recommended that an asylum harbour should be built there. Rennie may not have been that well known here, but he's renowned in Scotland and England as a brilliant and innovative civil engineer. His best-known works include Waterloo Bridge and London Bridge, both now demolished. Rennie had designed a railway in Scotland before his move to Ireland, and he'd used the same system of horse-drawn wagons on metal tracks at Waterloo Bridge. 
So by the time he came to Dunleary, he had lots of experience of using railways and horses to transport large amounts of stone for a big engineering project. Come to the next stop with us to find out how the wagons and rails were built. Stop 5 is at Magenta Place. Up ahead, cross at the traffic lights on Summerhill Avenue and past the Dart Station.